Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. We're now exclusively a part of the SCU Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ken Engel, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, SCU Chief of Staff. And I can tell you, we are really excited today to introduce our guests for today's show, Jason and Stephanie Kane. Uh, And Jason is the senior pastor at Bayside Church Blue Oaks in Roseville, California, and holds Two master's degrees, one in divinity and the other in clinical mental health counseling. Yes, sir. That's who I am. And then Stephanie holds a PhD in counseling from the University of Georgia and works as a professor and licensed mental health practitioner. We're excited for both of you to be on campus. You're going to invest in our students tonight. Yeah. uh, But welcome to the podcast. We're so glad to be here sharing with you. Campus is beautiful. Just grateful to be in in. Florida today. Ah, great, great to have you. First, uh, as we get started, I want to dig a little bit into your stories. Uh, Jason, you felt, um, you know, kind of a lifelong call to ministry at just 20 years of age. Yeah. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about this calling and how your educational journey has really shaped you along the the, the way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I said yes to my calling when I was 20, but actually probably felt the calling when I was 14. Okay. I was at a Promise Keepers event, a big stadium, and really felt in that moment, God say, you know, you are going to be a a pastor or a preacher one day. And I thought to myself, there's no way. I grew up extremely shy kid, didn't talk much, didn't pray in church, didn't say anything, just a very shy kid. And for six years, I was like, there's no way I could ever accept the call to be a pastor, especially to preach, uh, because I don't like to speak in front of crowds. And to be honest, that's still the case today, having been doing it for so long. Um, But throughout those six years, just kept feeling that urge from the Holy Spirit to say yes, said yes to that calling at 20, uh, finished out my bachelor's degree. I was finishing a bachelor's degree in business at the time, ended up going to college at a school called Mercer in Atlanta, working mm-hmm. on my Master of Divinity and Master's in Counseling. And really, it was meeting Stephanie that helped me got, get involved with with, uh, with counseling. And just that journey that I've been on from that time forward, everything from my past and even uh, up till now, God has used it in such a wonderful way uh, to impact the person that I am today. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, yeah. same question. How What got you into the mental health field? Yeah, it's very interesting. It sort of evolved. Um, I started out, you know, being unsure, knowing that I wanted to work with children. And then once I just started exploring different options, God just opened doors in ways that I, in places I wasn't even looking. Mm -hmm. And it just evolved where I became aware, like, you know what, I actually want to help people beyond children. And I also want to help specifically in the mental health Mm -hmm. uh, industry, particularly when I started working in child protective services. I think that that was a pivotal point in my career. So California, how did you guys end up there working with Bayside? Great church, great community out there. What what was that journey like? Yeah, first of all, I had no desire to go to California at all. At all. I wanted to stay in California my entire life. I wanted to stay in Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta to be Mm -hmm. very specific, excuse me. Um, And so three years ago, I got a call from a guy named Jim Holtz to ask, would I be open to moving to California? I told him, absolutely not. He was like, well, come take a trip. Never been to California before in my life. So we took a trip, uh, spent some time with their staff there. And when we left, our answer was no, 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 thanks. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to take that. Um, just kept in contact with them for a couple for a year or so. And eventually uh, went out there on a trip to visit to speak at uh, one of their campuses. And the Lord made it abundantly clear that that was the place to be. I mean, think I think one of the things that I've learned in my life is when you are called uh, by God, you never know where that's going to lead you, or, you right. or it's going to take you. That's right. Yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, so, so you're both. I mean, you're, you're you're extremely important. What's important to you is is um, 
mental health and 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 being strong advocates for mental health. Where did this specific desire for helping others with this cause come? How did you start to feel that and know that was exactly what God wanted to do, how he wanted to use you? Yeah, it's just incredible how God moves in our lives. It, God put me in settings where I began to realize that issues with mental health was such a huge barrier for people to achieve their maximum potential for them right. to have healthy relationships. Mm. It started working with children and abuse, you know, abused children and families that were traumatized. And it wasn't always that the adults were uh, just these terrible, evil people. It was incredibly traumatized adults doing mm. maladaptive things yeah. to their children. Yeah. At that point, I realized the systemic effect of sure. mental health on families, and I wanted to make an impact in that area. Mm-hmm. And again, that evolved into, well, if I wanted to work with students, with children, where would I have the most access? Well, it's school settings. And so right. I began working in school counseling and prom- pr- prominently in the academic advising mm-hmm. role, but then I began to realize that children were starting to struggle learning. Why? Sure. Because they were having some mental health issues. Anxiety and depression, I think you all would probably say this, working in the college setting Absolutely. is a leading, uh, is, is growing so much and leading right. and being a barrier to learning for students in all levels, mm-hmm. including college. Yeah. yeah. And this is such a big conversation in, in the church right now, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like we came out of this area where, where mental health and, and helping mental health was so separate from yeah. church life and church world. How do you guys see those two playing together now? What does it look like to really integrate these two fields together as part of your ministry? Yeah, I think for a long time within the context of church, it was an either or option. You know, either you get therapy or you pray. Uh, when really what I've learned throughout my life is you do both, that you can say uh, yes to both options. And so I'm grateful that at this point it's become somewhat normalized for the church to say, hey, therapy is certainly a viable option. Mm. But I think the thing that we can't deny is the supernatural, that we have a relationship with God. So God certainly uses people who have, uh, like like Stephanie and I, gone the route of going to school and He uses us, Mm -hmm. but He also does the supernatural. Um, So I think it's it's natural for us to see these two things, the mental health field and God at work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That when you definitely take the steps of going to therapy and doing the hard work, when you couple that with somebody also praying that mm-hmm. God can do wonderful things to help bring healing to that person. So I am just grateful and excited mm-hmm. that it's become normalized so that God gets the glory out of it, mm-hmm. certainly. Uh, but he definitely uses people like Stephanie and not to see it happen. Yeah. yeah. And what would you say are some of the ways like, okay, what, what does it practically look like to integrate the two? How does it look like to, yes, go to God for our healing, for our comfort and our health, but also go to therapy? How can somebody, if they've never seen that model, what would that look like? Well, I think even at the basic level, it's being willing to be vulnerable with the right people, opening up to people who you can trust Mm. about what you're struggling with. Um, I think the church has unintentionally uh, played a role in um, creating some shame around mental health, and it's not because they wanted to, it's because they didn't feel equipped to know how to navigate around that. So you say nothing, Mm. but saying nothing is actually saying a lot. Mm. Wow. And so people have been you know, kind of hiding mm-hmm. a lot of their struggles. So if we start with talking about just your own struggles, even from the pulpit, even in leadership, to say, hey, I struggle with anxiety, I've struggled with depression, wow. things like that, people start opening up, and in that way, eventually that'll lead them down the course of, wow, if I can talk to my friend, if I can talk to my colleague, then maybe I can talk to a professional as well. Mm. But how, how do you find, so trust is an issue in that yes. process. So how do you find that that individual or group that you can trust 
to step in because that, that that's why so many don't because I just mm. don't know if I can really trust them. Right. Yeah. I, I think it starts with look for the person who actually opens up to you about their own struggles. Ah, that's good. You know, is there someone who's honest with you about something that they're going through in their lives or do you get the sense that they're hiding something? Yeah. So that kind of gives you an idea. And then there's throwing little nuggets out. Mm-hmm. And when I say nuggets is you may not want to throw out the biggest thing that you're struggling with that makes you vulnerable, mm. but start with something as basic as, uh, hey, you know, today was a really stressful day for me and see what the person says. If they mm-hmm. seem dismissive and they're not responsive, then maybe that's not the person. But if it's somebody that follows up with mm-hmm. asking questions yeah. and following up with you, then that gives you an idea that maybe this is somebody who I can start talking to some more. Yeah. Love it. That's, that's great. Uh, I want to transition a little bit here. Both of you actually are uh, uh, part of a married life study uh, uh, with Bayside Church where you discussed how uh, really to have successful communication and trust in the midst of your marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you both share a lot about how to build that trust in, in relationships. Talk to us about the importance of, of being clear when it comes to your married life, being clear and vulnerable with your partner. Yeah. I mean, Steph is the expert here. I'll let her continue to give the answers. I just want to listen to her talk. Um, but I think one of the things about communication in marriage is that you want to communicate to your spouse, to the person that you're in a relationship, what exactly it is that you're feeling. Uh, many times we often do not say certain things because we believe that our spouse knows what's going on. Well, not, none of us are mind readers. None of us have the ability to know exactly what's happening internally with the person. So being able to articulate what you're really feeling or what's making you upset puts clear communication on the board so that you can, and your spouse can begin to discuss the issues. But unfortunately, uh, what can happen in a, rela- a relationship context, and Stephanie and I had to learn this over time, is that it, feelings that aren't expressed can never be handled right. because the other person on the other end has no idea what's going on. Yeah. yeah, there's a myth of your spouse should know. And I think that just comes from watching movies and yeah. this yeah. romanticized version mm-hmm. of, you should know what I'm feeling. You should know what I'm thinking. And really, that's just not the reality. Mm-hmm. And it's just as loving when you share your needs and your what you're going through with your spouse and they respond to you. Mm-hmm. That's just as loving as if somebody just happened to know what you were going through. And so I can't emphasize anymore what Jason's point, which is first begin with just being open and clear about what your needs are and what you're going through with your spouse. Yeah. Love it. Love that's it. Good. And you know, a lot of this we're seeing, um, especially with the pastoral role, right? So we're seeing pastors are, are really struggling and becoming kind of open and honest for the first time as pastors yes. with their mental health struggles. And it's a really big conversation, especially in the light of some of the some of the issues we have. What advice would you give to maybe a spouse of a pastor, somebody in pastoral role to help them seek help, say, hey, these are the things you, sh- you should be on the lookout for. And here's kind of the conversations you could have if you think that your spouse has a, has a mental, is struggling mentally. Yeah, I think first it starts with the person who your spouse would trust the most, which is probably you. Yeah. And sometimes as spouses, we can say, we look at our spouse and we go, something's not right. Something seems off. I wonder what's going on. And we kind of talk ourselves out of it or get busy with yeah. it. But I think it's addressing and being specific. What are the specific behaviors you're mm-hmm. seeing that you're concerned about? Sometimes we say, you seem off. Well, that's so general yep. that someone who's struggling can hide behind that. Sure. But we say, hey, yeah. I noticed you were tossing and turning last night, or I noticed you're not eating as much or eating more wow. than usual. Yeah. What's going on with that? Because now you're targeting a specific behavior that can 
really refocus your spouse to even look internally. Sometimes wow. these depression, you know, depressive symptoms or any other mental health issue can feel like they creep in. And before you know it, all these areas of your life have been impacted, but you didn't know because mm. you were just kind of yeah. busying yourself. So we have a vantage point as spouses to say, hey, let's look at these specific behaviors. Yep. Yeah, that's good. And and of course, you know, we're we're in a university setting here at Southeastern. You're going to spend time with our students tonight. We're excited about that. Um, but what uh, over the years, have you, as you both have worked in the church and 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 worked in this field, what have you discovered are some of the main issues younger generations are struggling with, especially as it as it relates to anxiety and, mm-hmm. and and depression. Why do you think they're struggling with those issues and how can they overcome these challenges even at their younger age? Yeah, I think it's the comparison. I mean, I hate to say social media because, but it is the truth. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of good that can come out of social media, but there's a lot of difficulties and that is the comparison game. Right. Yeah. And I think what young people are struggling with is they're looking at snapshots or curated mm-hmm. snapshots of people's lives and they're assuming, it seems like everybody's doing really well. It seems like everybody's really attractive or yeah. everybody's in love or yeah. everybody's and I'm not my life isn't like that and really their lives are the typical life and yeah. everybody else wow. is just showing snapshots and so having that world to compare their world to is really pushing them into anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. thinking there's something wrong with me. And then also becoming conditioned to wanting to be accepted by people through instant clicks. Wow. So if I post something, it's not about me just sharing something that I enjoyed. It's about getting that acceptance response and mm-hmm. approval response from somebody else. And if I don't get enough of it, and this other person got hundreds of likes, yeah. then what's going on with me? So I feel like right. that has mm-hmm. really been a nuance that I did, none of us mm-hmm. had in social media when mm-hmm. we were you know, in high school or right. pre-adolescence that our mm-hmm. students and young people are having now. Yeah, well, and what's fascinating is we know now, right, from like the social dilemma, all these documentaries, what we, what we suspected was a problem is actually a problem. Yeah. It's, 100%. you know, these things that we thought were just bugs, a side product, are actually the main feature of these apps and all yeah. these different things. What advice would you give to young people as they think about their social media, as they think about their phone? How do they develop a healthier relationship with those things? Yeah, I mean, I would give them the same advice that I have to follow myself, that if you find yourself on social media and you have a negative thought, immediately close the app. Yeah. Um, as soon as you fall into that comparison trap, man, if you are find yourself scrolling and you look at someone's post and you think something negative of them or you mm. think to yourself something negative about yourself because wow. of what you're yeah. saying, then that's an indication I need to turn this this app off. Yeah. Or if you're scrolling through and you find yourself getting unnecessarily angry, mm-hmm. uh, that's probably also a sign. I don't think that that's something that's solely for young people, but all of us should practice that di- discipline. Uh, we get on there for our enjoyment, but oftentimes that enjoyment turns into something that isn't good, jealousy mm-hmm. or uh, hate or yeah. anger or some emotion that isn't healthy. And I think that's a sign, hey, I probably should limit my contact yeah. at this time. I think that's a great practice to have. Um, I don't always do it well, right. um, but that is one of the things that I found these triggers, man. As soon as I feel that emotion, mm-hmm. I need to close this app. Yeah. Yeah. One final question before we move into our fire round. We ask you three quick questions here. Uh, the final question is, you're both serving in ministry leadership at the local church. Um, man, this has been a tough year and a half. Um, a little bit. When you, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, we've gone Just through a, a pandemic, <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of social unrest, uh, a lot of political unrest, yeah. um, just facing a myriad of issues and challenges now um, in our in our nation. What should the vo- what what should the church be proclaiming mm. 
in the midst of this. Yeah, I, I think the thing that the church proclaims is the thing that Jesus would call, call us to proclaim, which is the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, I think on so many different issues, we've find, found ourselves, if we're talking about the political issues, that we have to choose right or left. Yeah. Um, we found ourselves in situations where we feel like we have to take one tr group versus another group, and we have to belong to these tribes, when really the tribe that we belong to is the kingdom of God. What is mm. the kingdom of God about? I think the kingdom of God is about justice. It's about mercy. It's about love love. Right. The kingdom of God is very specific. When you read the Gospels and Jesus gives a nugget of this is what the kingdom of God looks like. And he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And it's a story that's countercultural. It mm -hmm. affects racial and political lines right. and uh, religious lines. But Jesus is saying, you don't have to follow the lines of whatever these groups tell you to do. But the way of the kingdom is to care for the person. Yeah. And I think really making ourselves and reminding ourselves that we are kingdom citizens first. We certainly live in whatever country we're living in wherever wherever mm -hmm. we may be today listening to this podcast but I'm first a citizen of the kingdom of God yeah. and if I'm a part of the kingdom of God what implications does that have on my life because mm -hmm. there are a certain way that kingdom people live yeah so good so powerful wow well, as we move into the fire round, I want to ask you a few questions surrounding kind of a little bit of everything that we've discussed. And, and again, just kind of give that gut answer that you, you're feeling. We want to grab a few practical and applicable pieces of advice uh, for our listeners that they can apply to their lives. So, Michael, fire a question away. All right. So, right off the bat, what is the number one key to a healthy and sustainable life? Uh, man. <laughs> It's supposed to be rapid, huh? Yeah. I guess I'm throwing it out. It, the it number one key to a sustainable life. Give me the question one more time. I'm going to play yep. it off. What's, like what's, the, what's the number one key to a healthy and sustainable life? Staying connected to Christ. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's the answer that a pastor is going to give you, but I believe that in my heart. Yep. Yeah. yeah Stephanie? Being vulnerable. Yeah. Honest and open be with honest, yourself real. and with others. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So good. How can students and and young leaders know that they're making the right decision and pursuing their calling? Mm, I don't think that you can, though, unfortunately, <laughs> by looking back. Yeah. But all of us have experiences we would say we only knew by looking back. Uh, one of the rules Stephanie and I live by is when an opportunity presents itself, we say yes until yeah. God closes the door. Very good. And That's then an once excellent. the door is closed, and it's clear this is not the direction yeah. to take. But don't be afraid of those missteps. Yeah. Yeah. Just step out in faith. I'd say stay connected to Christ. Invest in your, in your spiritual um, relationship mm. because when you feel strongly connected to Christ, whatever opportunities come, even if they're not right, there's a level of peace, you know, because you have confidence mm -hmm. that God is with you. Yeah, that's so Love good. It. Love it. Awesome. Last questions. Last question for you both. For anybody that is maybe taking the plunge to, to step into therapy, what are some ways they can evaluate a therapist right off the bat to know, hey, this is the right person that can help me get the, the help that I need? First, I would say just know that there's a lot of options out there. So don't give up if you have one bad experience. Um, a lot of therapists have profiles up. Psychologytoday.com is a, is a website where mm -hmm. there's many therapists have their profiles and you can go through filters to ask for what you're looking for, any specialties, mm -hmm. etc. Go through their profiles, read, you know, if you have any connections with them and ask them questions. Usually that mm -hmm. first meeting is you sharing a lot, but it's okay for you to ask, hey, have you worked with people with this issue before? Got What's it. your stance on mm -hmm. XYZ? Have you, I'm part of this culture. Are you yeah. familiar with that? Mm -hmm. So ask questions as well. Yeah, cool. I, I would say connection. Mm -hmm. Do you have a connection with them? If you don't, then it's okay to leave that therapist and find another one. Really, it's about you getting the help that you need. If you don't feel connection, then 
find someone else. Love it. Okay, I'm going to add a fourth. Hit it. Uh, yeah, Hit I'm going to add please. a fourth. Um, you know and are extremely great friends with uh, James and Brittany. Oh, yeah. Yes. Our yes. new campus pastors oh who are doing an amazing job yeah, here yeah. at Southeastern University. Give us a fun fact about both <laughs> of them that, you know, we can kind of have uh, uh, in, in ways that maybe we can better serve them. Yeah. Um, th- well, here's one thing you should know about James. You are not going to outgive him. Mm. Oh uh, my this gosh, dude is the a most gift thoughtful giver. family. I call him Mr. Attentive. Uh, I have yeah. another name I can't yeah. say here, but it's yeah. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Attentive is the name. He is very thoughtful. If you have an opportunity to do something for him, do it because he's going to do for you. It, it, it's, mm-hmm. He's a much better friend to me than I am to him, and it's just because he's an extremely attentive person. Yeah. That's that's I guess that's the secret, yeah. <laughs> the best secret I can give. Yeah, yeah and uh, I would say with Brittany, I mean, also, they're just such givers. They just, yeah. They're busy yeah. mm-hmm. all the time, giving, 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 giving. And so I think any opportunity to say, hey, let's give you some rest or, you yeah. know, let's go do something um, would be awesome. Also, just other facts, Disney, uh, Brittany loves, loves plants. She's a, like oh, a yeah. super ah. duper green oh, yeah. thumb plant oh, yeah. mom. I think she had to have her own car for her plants. Oh, yeah. A whole separate one when she moved, yeah. Yeah. moved down here. Yeah. 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 They did. That's nice. Which is, <laughs> wow. is good. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm telling you what you're saying about them. We have discovered yep. that yep. as well. Mm-hmm. They give and they give and they give. And it's just so great mm-hmm. that God brought them to us. And I know you miss them at Bayside and yeah. terribly and, uh, miss yeah. them out oh in California. Yeah. Uh, yes. But come visit us yeah. often yeah, like this. And, yeah, and we'd just, love to. Uh, yeah, we, we look forward to hearing your ministry and being a part of, of what God's doing here. So thank you for coming and being on this podcast today. Yeah, thanks thank for, having for having us. Thanks us. for what you're doing in students and uh, thanks for taking care of our friends. Yeah. Oh, love it. Love it. If you want to stay up to date with Jason and Stephanie, you can follow them on Instagram and Twitter at Jason Kane one right? Jason Kane one That's right. Love Love it, love it. And for more leadership content, be sure to check us out on Instagram at Kent underscore Ingle or at Twitter at Kent Ingle. And if, hey, if you are watching us on YouTube right now, now is a great time to hit that subscribe button, hit that like button so you can get weekly leadership content right into your feed. And if you love great emails, I encourage you to sign up for our weekly newsletter at KentIngle.com. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody. Bye.